Welcome to Streams of Income with self-help author Ryan Rieger. For the next hour, you'll hear proven methods for how to live the multiple income streams dream. Ryan is passionate about helping others discover their gifts and start their own business. He's published five books, and his courses and group coaching programs have changed the lives of thousands of students all over the world. Ryan's books include Private Label, The Easy Way, Finding Your Grace Place, and his latest, Streams of Income. And now, here's your host, Ryan Rieger. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and this is the 101st episode. So last week we did uh, episode 100 and we went through some of the, um, our actually our top 10 downloaded episodes and pulled clips from each of those. So hopefully you enjoyed that. We've had a lot of amazing guests so far, and I can't wait to see what the next 100 episodes holds. But as you know, most podcasts we feature people that are doing some really good things, people that are being successful. You don't hear from folks that have uh, tried and failed or people that are just having really hard times. Of course, you get that in people's stories. But it makes it sometimes you listen to folks and you think like it's just always been easy for them. They've always been successful. People like Jimmy Smith, who's selling, you know, almost $200,000 per month on Amazon. Sometimes you hear stories like that and it makes you think, well, godly, I mean, Jimmy probably was selling uh, on Amazon from birth and he's just never made a mistake, never made a bad buy, uh, has always known what to do and has always been super, super successful. And that is totally not the case. In my own business, I can tell you that is totally not the case, not even close. So I thought it would be fun to talk about all the mistakes that I've made, all of the things that have went wrong in my business and our business when Melaine and I were doing um, the furniture. And uh, now I'm thankful that Melaine gets to be mom and not have to spend any time in the business if she doesn't want to. She helps out in our legends group a little bit with planning the conferences and things like that. She was involved very much early on when we started this thing. And so I may even bring her on to tell some of these stories, but it's not always been rosy for us. I know we've talked about some of the things that have gone wrong, but I have some funny things to tell. I think this will be encouraging to you guys that are going through this. We're all on a journey. We're all on a business journey and there are going to be ups and downs and it's easy to talk about the ups. It's easy to talk about the things that have gone right in our businesses. But what about the down times? What about the valleys? Well, today I'm going to share with you some of the silly, funny, sad things that have happened in my business um, over the last, we've been doing this since 2008, but actually it kind of goes before that. I'll share, you, share with you some business stories from before furniture, from before I even met Mulane. And so uh, I think hopefully you'll enjoy this because uh, it's just persistence, guys, just consistently getting out there and doing the work, finding your thing. Your business is going to change. It doesn't look anything like what it did when we first started. And so it's just, uh, it, it evolves. And we've pivoted many times because of necessity or just desire. And so I will take you through those, some of the funny things that have happened in our business over the last 10 years. But actually, like I said, I'm going to start a little bit earlier than that. Elon Musk said one time, failure is an option here. If things are not failing, you are not innovating enough. I know failure can be scary, 
But the cool thing about failure in today's day and age with the internet is none of these failures, if you even call them failures, none of these things, they're setbacks, are, have to be a major thing. Uh, there are always opportunities. There are always ways to move forward. And if you're doing little tests here and there, you're trying things here and there, with the internet, it doesn't have to be expensive. In fact, a lot of times you can test a business idea for completely free, just a little bit of your time. And if it doesn't work, yeah, okay, it's a failure. But you found a one way, it's an opportunity. You found something else that didn't work that will lead you to what will work for you. And so just keep trying things. I love that quote. Just keep innovating. Keep going after it, guys. So let's talk about some of the crazy things that have happened in my business, in my life, um, because you might look at me and think, oh, he's so successful and it's always worked out for him, but that is not true at all. I am just like all of you have had many uh, quote failures, but you know what's cool about some of these things that I'll share with you is that God was in them. And some of the things that I look back and I, I see is like, wow, that was a, a painful experience. That was a tough time. That was not a fun experience for us. Well, there was always opportunity that came out of it. There was always something that came out of that. Uh, you know, there was um, just new things that was sprang about as a result of some of these things. And I'll, sh I'll share more with you as I go through some of these with you, but it's just, it's so cool. So none of these uh, quote failures were something that completely knocked us out. These are things that uh, will actually open up new opportunities and new doors came from that. And so God is good. He's watching out for us. And uh, let's dig into this. So before I even moved uh, to Texas, um, I, I was living up in Indiana and it was uh, working for a congressman, uh, some, a buddy of mine and my brother. We went into the real estate business. We bought a property in Anderson, Indiana, near Anderson University. We bought one and uh, fixed it up a little bit and rented it out to a college student. Like, yay, great, this thing works. So we bought another house and I think we bought a third pretty quickly. We took some coaching about real estate and we were going in pretty heavy. Um, we were at, that was a, this was early, this was like 2002, three, four, five in that area. And so it was very easy to get properties with little or no money down. And so we kind of stretched ourselves a little too thin. We bought three houses pretty quickly. And then I had a friend who I was actually working with that had some apartment buildings. There was an eight unit apartment building and a four unit apartment building all right next to each other. And they were, um, I think the eight units were one, they were eight units were studio apartments and the four unit building was one bedrooms. So we bought that from him. We got a killer deal from him. Uh, he was a friend. He was looking to get out of it and do, go on with something else with real estate. So we ended up purchasing those. We put a lot of work into, I mean, they were already decent. They needed some electrical. So it wasn't like we had, there were already tenants and everything in there. We thought this was an awesome opportunity for us. And it worked out pretty well for a while. Uh, being landlords wasn't always fun. I hated, hated, hated the part of going in and fixing up apartments after cleaning, after a tenant left. That was totally not my skill set. I am not a handyman. Wasn't, I am not, and never will be. My brother kind of took on that role. I took on the role of the financier person uh, of managing the money. Um, 
going to the bank, um, making sure the bills were paid. That was kind of my role in the business, helping with the advertising, did a lot of that. We all pitched in on that. We'd go put uh, ads around on campus, put ads in the paper. So we worked really hard and it was actually profitable. We were actually turning profit, able to make a little bit of money. Um, But I moved to Texas in 2008. And after that happened, my brother was kind of, my brother and my friend were kind of left with uh, doing that. And me being out of the picture was really hard. Um, I was not able to be effective um, from a distance and it just didn't work out. And then of course, 2008 happened, the market kind of crashed and we went through a painful process of trying to get those liquidated. We found a company that, uh, that went in and bought them and turned them around. We had to sell them way cheaper than we owed on them. And so that was a painful experience with real estate. It totally did not sour me on real estate at all. I would be interested in doing something again. Um, and we had some other other houses too. Uh, and actually another, like a three unit apartment building, I think that ended up going south. Um, it was bad, but you know what? I, I knew that I was supposed to be in business and I kept plugging along and just realized, well, maybe, you know, that was bad timing to be in real estate and, um, you know, kind of just lick your wounds and move don't move on with that but that was uh, our first my first venture into a, a larger size business a larger a bigger business i played around with ebay here a little bit in there but i was um it was our first like real business and it was a complete failure and so i hope that's encouraging to some of you that have uh, gone through things and it and not worked out I've been in multiple MLM opportunities. People saw uh, my, um, you know, I was a a Cutco salesman back in college, Cutco Knives. And so I would go into people's homes and uh, do the direct sales thing. And if they were part of an MLM, I guess they were impressed with this college kid that could go into some stranger's house and sell knives. And so they'd recruit me for MLM opportunities. And I signed up for a few um, and they didn't work. I'm just not the type of guy that, wants to call friends and family and try to get them involved. And I know there's a, there might be some of you that are doing MLM opportunities and there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. I just was not for me, not my personality. And I know there's probably ways online now to do it, to recruit other people that are actually interested. But the the thought of calling up a, a friend of mine from 20 years ago and asking them to go out for coffee to uh, explain to them a business opportunity that just ugh, it uh, makes me sick um, to think about that because it's just not me. And so I didn't do well. I mean, I started off well in most of them, started off kind of strong. Um, and then it just uh, just kind of floundered um, like what happens with most people. I think 90 or read a statistic that 97% of the people who get into an MLM um, company, they ended up quitting uh, soon after. And I was one of the 97%. So tried multiple businesses like that and realized that was not for me at all. All right. Our furniture day. So I moved to Texas in 2008 and you guys can hear my story on episode one of this podcast, but um, we, I moved in uh, November and started selling furniture. I think our first sale was in December, but I remember that very first sale. So we were doing wholesale furniture. We were able to buy from a local wholesale company and sell at retail. We were selling it on Craigslist. So we would post ads on Craigslist and this is pre-website days for us. We didn't even have a website, weren't selling on Amazon, weren't selling on eBay. It was literally just Craigslist. And so we, we would get phone calls and I remember one in particular, um, this guy was very interested in a TV stand that we had listed for sale. And he asked, you know, can I see it before I buy it? I'm like, no, sir, we don't have a, 
a, a retail store at all. We're just an internet only. He's like, uh, you know what? I'm not comfortable with that. I need to see it before I buy it. I'm like, yeah, I totally understand. We don't have a place for you to see it. All right. Thanks so much. And hung up. I thought about that. I looked at the price of the TV stand. It was going to cost us 150. I think we we're going to try to sell it to him for 249, I believe. So I call him back and say, you know what? If, um, if I can bring it to you, I'll show it to you. And if you don't want it, you don't have to buy it. And if you do want it, it's going to be right there anyway for you. Um, would you be comfortable with that? So he gave us his address. I went to the uh, warehouse over in Arlington. I uh, took a big risk. Now, $150, guys, I know that's not a lot, but for me at the time it was because I just moved here and did not have any income. And so we took a risk of spending $150 for a TV stand. Had no idea if this guy was going to like it, but I just felt led to do it. So I called him back. He said, cool, went and, went and picked it up paid $150 for it. It was mine, whether I wanted it or not now. So I'm just praying all the way there. Uh, Melaine was with me at the time. Um, she, she went with me on that first delivery. And uh, we got to his house. We opened up the back of our Toyota 4Runner. And uh, I remember getting a box knife out, cutting around the boxes. And like, man, it's really ours now. <laughs> if he doesn't want it, we're in trouble. Take off all the packaging, all of the, the styrofoam and open it up. We, we get it out of the box. We put it on his driveway, really carefully. Um, he's like, I like it. I want it. So he paid us $250, instantly made $100 cash. We we're thrilled with that. And that was how our furniture business was born on a $150 risk for me. And so I know that first sale for those of you selling on Amazon, we always celebrate the first sale for people. And that is a very exciting thing. And that was the first of many furniture sales for us. Now we're not selling furniture anymore. It's been years since we've done that. We pivoted away from that business, but hopefully that first sale, little story there, I would encourage those of you who are a little bit nervous about your next venture, about what you feel um, called in to do and if selling on Amazon or eBay, but just get out there guys. Um, and uh, you can make it happen. So in those early days, I was picking up furniture um, myself, delivering all over the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We'd also have people that would come to our home and pick up. And one day we get a letter from our city, um, a neighbor who was not happy with all the traffic uh, coming to our house complained. And the city said we could no longer operate a retail business out of our home. Guys, that was devastating. The furniture business was going so well. We were so uh, just thrilled. I was able to work from home. It was the first time that I didn't have a quote real job. I was enjoying uh, delivering and all over the Metroplex, trying out all the new restaurants. Because if you remember, I was new to the area. And so it was fun. It was going really well and it was profitable. And this was just like a huge, huge hurdle. And so what we did next was we started looking for retail space. We wanted to continue this business. So we went into uh, a retail store. We had 2,000 square feet of space. It was a small little store. It was basically just a base of operations for our online business. But we had to be there all the time. We learned quickly. We did not enjoy having to get up. We couldn't work from our pajamas any work at home in our pajamas anymore. We had to go to the store even when it wasn't busy and uh, attend to customers or just sit there and waiting for people to come in or the phone to ring. We'd be posting ads. I'd be doing deliveries. We'd have uh, at that point, we also have some folks that helped us with deliveries. 
Um, but that retail store was uh, not fun. But what it did was it opened up us to being able to ship nationwide. So by having a store, we could have trucks, uh, semi trucks, LTL trucks, less than truckloads, um, come and pick up furniture from us and deliver it all over the country. And so that's what we did. So the downside was that we hated having a retail store, but the definite plus was that it opened us up to new opportunities. And when we went to furniture shows, we could say that we had a brick and mortar store, which opened us up to wholesale accounts that we couldn't have got earlier. So uh, it was something that, um, that God definitely used to uh, explode our business even bigger. So then I was able to help my dad. He started uh, having doing Craigslist ads for us. And so I got to, was able to pay him to help us post ads in his area of the country in the Midwest. And we were just cranking, had furniture going out all the time. And it was going really, really, really well. One time we had a driver or a delivery driver that uh, was helping us out a lot. And so we, he would make runs to Oklahoma city uh, down into temple, Texas, uh, San Antonio, um, and we were, we'd have to coordinate the delivery. So he wasn't taking one thing there. And so we'd have to, it was a lot of work. We had to make sure, Hey, we're going to be in your area on this day. So it was this, this delivery work. So he'd have at least two or three deliveries in the area at the time. And so one time he delivered a counter height dining table set to a customer in an apartment building up in Oklahoma city and the lady paid by money order. But instead of giving him the actual money orders, she gave him just the, the stubs and he thought he was getting paid. He brings it back to us. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> um, these are just the stubs. These aren't worth anything. I was just distraught. Um, and so we, the next time we went up to when next time he went up to Oklahoma City, he knocked on the door. Of course, she didn't answer. We called, like, oh, it's an honest mistake. No, not an honest mistake at all. So this lady got a complete dining set from us for free, a counter height dining table set, which guys to us at the time, that was a huge hit. Um, and we, we weathered it, but that was just like, wow, that's a lot of money to us. Plus, we still had to pay him to do the delivery. So super, super painful. I got a story where uh, one of our delivery drivers, um, had a, a chair strapped to this trailer in the back and was driving and it flew completely out. He never found it. So we had to send the customer a whole brand new one. Um, all kinds of stories like that when it comes to the furniture business. I'm, um, it was good at the time, but I'm so glad we're not doing it anymore. We, because we were shipping furniture all over the country, we'd have uh, parts get broken. And so I'd have to go to the wholesale company, get replacements, and say, and normally they were used to dealing with brick and mortar stores. So the brick and mortar store could bring that broken piece to them and say, Hey, this is broken. We need replacement. But I would say, you know what? I shipped this. We shipped a lot of day beds. So I shipped this day bed to this customer in North Carolina and the back of it. And I had this happened a lot. The backs were very susceptible to getting broken and damaged in shipment. And so we'd have to say, Hey, this, we, I need a whole brand new back. So they'd have to pull a whole day bed and um, just grab out of the box that one piece and give it to me. I'd have to go back to um, our home or um, at one point we had a warehouse that we were shipping from as well. I'd have to get a box, 
ship it all, you know, package it up, really, really try to do a good job so that it wouldn't get damaged again and get it to the customer. And there were times when the second, the replacement got damaged and it was so frustrating. I mean, overall it was still profitable because the orders that went well, which were most of them um, paid for the ones that didn't, but there were times when we were just um, discounting or refunding whole orders. Um, the LTL companies would mess up, not delivered on time. Of course, they weren't our company. And so we'd have irate customers saying that this, this uh, truck would, didn't have a lift gate on it. So how are we going to get it in? And oh my gosh, just talking about it brings back nightmares. Um, but you know what? That furniture business, if we hadn't have done that, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And so it was a, definitely a stepping stone it was a huge blessing. I am so thankful for, for those days, but I'm also very thankful that I'm not doing that anymore, but it uh, definitely got us to where we are now and uh, just started the process, started the process of me having a business. And that was our, started our business journey. Also, one time I was delivering furniture down to Hillsborough, Texas, which is about an hour and a half away from where we live. And thankfully I didn't have the trailer on at that time. We had a forerunner. And so I didn't, I decided not to put the, the trailer on and I had to deliver a replacement piece to this customer on the way home. I heard a loud pop underneath the car and I don't even know exactly what happened, but it was really late. We had to call a tow truck. I was by myself. My wife had to, to, to uh, grab her mom's car, come pick me up. Um, tow truck had to come and carry away the forerunner and take it somewhere close to there. And I don't even remember how we got it back. I think there was a mechanic locally that drove down for us. He and his son grabbed it and brought it back up home actually where he lives. And so, um, things like that happened too. And it was, uh, kind of quite the comedy. So as we were, um, collecting wholesale accounts, meeting with wholesale reps, uh, as you, if you get a brick and mortar store, wholesale reps are going to be calling, asking to meet with you, wanting you to open up accounts to purchase from them. I saw an opportunity to essentially create a site where I helped online sellers uh, get access to those products. So I knew that some of those wholesale companies would not sell to somebody without a brick and mortar store. So I thought I could be the middleman. I had um, I had some connections, obviously, with Jim Cockrum's community and. I didn't really have my own list at the time at all. And so I, I asked uh, Jim if uh, he'd be willing to partner up with a, a site essentially called Ryan's Deals. And I, I had some wholesale accounts on there that I thought had products that would sell well on Amazon. And so I just had a small upcharge. So an item that might cost $5, I'd say it's you know $6. And then I would charge a little bit to prep it. So it would come to me. I would uh, put prep it for that customer. They'd send me their labels and their box labels, and I'd send it to Amazon for them. Man, I quickly learned that was not for me. I shut that down very quickly. <laughs> and so thank God I didn't do that anymore. That was not fun at all. Also did it with some furniture. We had some, uh, we were able to get some discounts. And so went to that same list that we had um, of the Ryan's deals list and said, Hey, we got some furniture that we can get cheaper for you. And I remember uh, sending furniture to folks that were going to sell it locally on Craigslist and um, just so glad I don't do that anymore. 
but I quickly learned that that was not for us. And we, we quit the Ryan's deals site, uh, barcodes on pillows. Um, I'm going down through a list through here that Melaine and I kind of brainstormed of some of the funny things that's happened in our business. So one time we were, we bought some, uh, pillow air neck pillows and they, uh, this company had, I think two different versions. One was a blow up one, uh, and one that was already blown up. And so we, uh, ordered, uh, from this wholesale site and we, the barcodes, um, there was an issue with the barcodes. They didn't match. So essentially we were, we put, we sent in a version of the neck pillow was, which was not what was on the listing. So we had customers that ordered these things. They sold really fast because they were the fast moving item, but we had customers get the ones that we sent in and started complaining because I think it was the ones that we sent in were ones you had to actually blow up like a, a inflatable. And that was not what they expected to get. And so it was a disaster because we sold a ton of them very quickly. So Melaine gets on the phone and we started messaging people through Amazon's messaging service. Say, we're so sorry. We'd refund your order right away. And so she had to get on the phone. Um, I think we had to even uh, find the, I think what we did was go on to another um, Amazon sellers listing and ship the correct one to that customer. So not only were we refunding them, but we were shipping them a new one for free, I believe. But she'd get on the phone and call them. And I know one a person was flying the next day and oh my gosh, she had to ship it to their hotel. Um, <laughs> so just a mistake um, that we, uh, we overlooked. Um, the, the listing and sent in the wrong thing. Okay. Uh, trade shows. We've been to a lot of trade shows. One show we went to was the licensing show it was in Vegas. We were with some friends of ours and I don't know what we were doing, but we walked into that show, not knowing exactly what the show was even about. I think we were just, it was in a, in Vegas. So we were, it was an opportunity to hang out with our friends and see them. And the show the reason we were going was the show, but we had no idea what the show was even about. So it was just crazy to me uh, that we would um, sign up for something and not knowing what we were doing when we were there. So we walked into the first booth and this was Melaine's idea, find a, a booth an exhibitor that has products that we don't even care about and just ask them about what's going on here. So we walk into, it was a, I think it was a, a company that prints um, uh, Norman Rockwell uh, prints on canvas bags or uh, mugs or things like that. And we said, Hey, you know what? This is our first time to this show. Um, tell us about what this is even it, what this show is even about. How do we, talk to these exhibitors. We were used to ASD and just buying those products, but at the licensing show, you would find a company that um, has a certain brand. So like, you know, if I wanted to put um, Mickey Mouse onto a mouse pad or Mickey Mouse onto a planner, I would come to them with these ideas and say, hey, you have the rights to Mickey Mouse. You have the rights to the Norman Rockwell prints or Thomas Kincaid. Um, his people were there. And so if I had a, you know, was making t-shirts, I could go to Thomas Kincaid's people and say, Hey, I want to put this, this print on a t-shirt and there would be a royalty agreement. And so they explained to us what the show was about. We ended up not doing anything there. We walked around, talked to some people, but 
it was a complete failure, um, complete waste of time other than hanging out with our friends. Um, I've had my, my Amazon merch account shut down, which is the print on demand t-shirts. Uh, I was selling stuff really well and they just shut it down. I can't get it back. Um, I took over the, uh, FBA, the fulfillment by Amazon DFW group, um, from a, from a guy that did it locally ended up meeting one time and never meeting again. Uh, somebody named Ashley Kincaid is, a in our communities, uh, she took over and she's going to do a great job with that. Of course, you guys probably know my story of Craigslist in April, 2012, when we wake up, we were selling furniture on Craigslist and, um, my dad was helping me. And so all, uh, most of the areas that he was, uh, posting in the ads were getting deleted as soon as he posted them. And that was a little bit scary, but that obviously led into meeting Jim Cockrum. Uh, precious moments. So we have access to the Dallas world market and it's a, a bunch of wholesale showrooms. And so on the first Monday of the month, they have their sample sales. You can walk into their, into, into most of these showrooms and buy samples that they're trying to get rid of to bring in the new stock. And so there was this huge lot of precious moments, little figurines that are really popular and they were really cheap. And so I saw an opportunity to, uh, to buy those and resell them. The only thing is you'd have to sell them on eBay. My wife warned me. She said, you're probably not going to list these. I'm like, I'll list them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but We buy a bunch of them and I didn't list. I listed a few. Um, we ended up selling them on Craig on Facebook marketplace one by one. It was a disaster. Might even might've even had them in a garage sale as well. So I learned that I do not enjoy listing things on eBay. I'd rather pay somebody to do that. Uh, instead. So um, that was a failure. Oh, okay. Another one, an antique mall. So you've probably all been to these antique malls where there's booths all over the place. And so we had um, all kinds of products that we could sell. We thought, let's try it. We had some small uh, decor items that we were still able to buy wholesale. I still are if we want to. But uh, we saw an opportunity to go into an antique mall. We walk in there, talk to the owner. He says, yeah, I mean, people do really well here. And talk to some of the other uh, sellers at the antique mall. And they said, yeah, we make a few hundred dollars a month extra. It's one of those things where you literally just have to go every once in a while, make sure that things are stocked. And so an extra of several hundred dollars a month, a thousand dollars, that was like yeah, easy to do since it was really close. That was a total disaster too. We, we hardly sold anything. Uh, it was not even worth having it open. So we did it for a few months and, and quickly shut that down. So I know um, I'm glad that we didn't continue that. I, I've learned when to uh, shut it off when it's not making sense. And uh, that one did not make sense at all. But there were people that are doing really well. We must have just not have had the right products. We've had bundles that we put together that didn't sell to do go to the work of putting them all together and they didn't sell. We'd have to recall all of them. Um, one time we had a company we bought wholesale from at a trade show and ordered a lot from them, thousands of dollars worth from them. We started sending the products in and we get a letter from them saying we can't sell their products on Amazon. We're like, well, wish you would have told us that at the beginning. So we had to recall all the inventory and figure out what to do with that. I think we sold some of it on uh, Facebook marketplace at a garage sale. I think we even gave some of it away. Um, so that was super frustrating. 
I've had other wholesale products that we've ordered that we never even listed. I know it's silly. Um, so, uh, yeah, really, really crazy that, uh, we've, that we've done that. And it's mostly my fault. Um, and we also had a product that was selling really, really, really well. We thought, oh my gosh, we're going to be rich. And soon after that, just the competition came in and uh, just destroyed that listing. They went to an exclusive relationship with one other seller, not us, unfortunately. Uh, and so that's still selling really well on Amazon, but I think that company is selling it. But we've had so many ups and downs, guys. It's uh, so many what I'd call quote failures, but they've turned into other things. But as I look through all these things, I mean, these are just experiences for growth opportunities that um, God turned around opportunities that uh, looked bad at the time, but that he turned it around and made something good out of it. I'm a firm believer that when one door closes, God has another door right there waiting for you that is wide open. That's the case when Craigslist uh, was a lot of our ads were being deleted back in 2012. And God led us to Jim Cockerman, his community and that auction story that I talk about a lot because that was so pivotal, pivotal to us. And um, where one opportunity was closing another major, bigger, wider opportunity, more profitable opportunity was right around the corner. So guys have faith. Business can be hard. There are going to be times when you are just so there's a, a I saw, a, I think it was a graphic of a, an entrepreneurial's journey where you're top of the mountain. Yay. Everything is going great. This is awesome. And then, you know, the next day you could be like, what am I doing? I need to go back to a regular job and like, yay, it's awesome again. And you just learn to ride those waves. Just stay the course, know what your goal is. Uh, just be willing to pivot when you need to pivot. Trust God, believe in him, believe that he's got an awesome plan for you that you are going to be successful. Yes, there are going to be things you go through that are not fun, that are going to look like it's the end, but it's not. Just hang in there. He's got you. Uh, just stay in community. Follow podcasts like this. Listen to other podcasts. Get in community with other people. Have a team of support around you that are doing the same thing that can cheer you on when life gets tough, when business gets tough. And if you ever need prayer, send me an email, ryan at ryanrieger.com. I love praying for uh, people that uh, have issues, that have uh, that are struggling. And I get emails all the time from people that are struggling and just wish for prayer, guidance, uh, you know, to point them in the right direction. I love doing that. So feel free to do that and read all my emails and respond to all, them, all of them as well. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being in my audience, listen to this podcast. If subscribe uh, to get uh, notifications of every episode, get them right on your phone there every time. And we will see you in the next episode. You've been listening to Streams of Income with self-help author Ryan Rieger. From right here in the Dallas Metroplex, Ryan teaches several entrepreneurial courses and group coaching programs to students all over the world. Be sure to listen next week at the same time for Streams of Income with Ryan Rieger.